Yeah, I felt like, you know, every year I played five years of college and every year I just progressively got a little bit better. Like I wasn't, you know, like a top player in the nation. I didn't just like have one leap one year where I was just beating everybody. Like I just kind of had a steady progression. Today, we are joined by Billy Tom Sargent. BT played college golf at Western Kentucky, where he was all-conference and, during his senior year, played in the NCAA championships as an individual and finished tied for 11th. After graduating college, Billy Tom has gone on to play on the Corn Ferry Tour, making it through second stage all three years of trying. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Uh, fun fact that you might not know is that I, as I've said, I don't know if we've ever met. We both have been around Kentucky. We might have met here or there a few times in junior golf. But when I was 13, I was just starting to play competitive golf. And we went out to a tournament at Cherry Blossom in Georgetown, just some junior tournament. And my dad was there and he picks up this tee and it says, Billy Tom Sargent the third. Huh. Wonder who this guy is. Uh and so then you played in the tournament that weekend and one, he's like, Oh, Hey, this is Billy Tom guy is pretty good. And ever, ever since then, my dad has always followed a YouTube degree, wherever there was a leaderboard or something that where I was at, that you were there. He's like, huh, wonder how Billy Tom's doing. So, um, I guess my dad's been a fan from afar and I know those tees, I think from what I heard, you had uh, a lot of tees, but jumping back kind of to junior golf, et cetera. How'd you get into the game of golf? Uh, I started playing golf when I was around four years old. My dad was a high school golf coach at Scott County, so I kind of grew up with that. I'd go and watch the guys and follow around and uh, just started loving the golf from early age. Um, didn't really start like getting into competitive golf or playing tournaments. So I was like 10, but uh, always kind of grew up with the game with my dad coaching. Very cool. So you played out of – Georgetown, which is Scott County area. And I think you played out a cherry blossom. When did you figure out that you were starting to be, you know, become a good golfer and we're going to be competitive? Um, so I started playing tournaments when I was 10 and when I started, I was shooting, you know, like 50 on nine holes, 55, like not really playing very good, but just kind of kept at it. And then kind of when I turned like 11 or 12, um, started shooting some decent scores, went in some Pepsi tournaments, Probably 11 or 12, I really started taking it serious kind of when I got to middle school and playing a lot more. So you had a lot of good guys I know from Scott County that I, I can think of, or at least competitive players. What was it like growing up, playing out there, having a bunch of good players to play with, and kind of seeing, I think you're, of the crew, you're more on the younger end. So seeing those guys go off uh, into high school and then go on to play college golf. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good golfers in Scott County. So there's, you know, we – I remember the summers we'd go play, you know, 54 holes a day. We'd start in the morning and play all day and uh, play all kinds of different games and stuff. So, you know, there's, I was definitely probably one of the younger guys. There's a lot of good older guys ahead of me. So it's nice kind of learning from them and seeing, you know, what they're doing and how they're shooting lower scores and things like that kind of really helped me figure out what I need to improve in my game. I'm just going to note for um, what you said previously, the Pepsi Tour is the local state run 
junior tour here in Kentucky, for those who don't know. When did you kind of transition from those tournaments into the AJGAs? I know you won an AJGA here in the state. And did you travel much nationally or did you just stick to tournaments in the state? Probably when I turned like 13 or 14, I started playing on the Plantation Junior Golf Tour, which is kind of like a fall, winter, spring series tournaments they go down south there'd be some in like ohio indiana kentucky so it was more of like a national level junior tour so i started playing those um didn't start playing ajga until i was probably 16. played a few like my sophomore year and then played several my junior year and then senior year i was already committed to western kentucky so i didn't play a ton my senior year so as you mentioned you committed to Western Kentucky, ended up playing there and had a nice little college career. Tell us about what first led you to go play at WKU and then beyond that, what your time there was like and how you progressed. Yeah. So I had a few options in high school, you know, there's a few schools looking at me, but not a ton. And, uh, went down to take a visit at Western Kentucky and Met with Coach Hatchett, and he was an awesome guy, and I really liked everything he had to say. You know, the campus was great. You know, he had Old Stone there. He had Bowling Green Country Club, Indian Hills, three really good courses. And, I mean, it just kind of a perfect fit for me. So I was driving back home after my visit to Western. We stopped, like, halfway to get gas, and I called up Coach Hatchett, and I said, I'm going to be a Hilltopper. So I committed kind of right there in the spot and, you know, never regretted it and loved it ever since. When you're going through college – it's a little bit different than high school in the sense that, you know, high school tournaments, there's some good players out there, but there's really not a lot of really good players that are able to win for the most part. In college, most of the tournaments you're playing in, depending on what level you're playing in uh, WKU, is D1 and in a solid conference. When it came to those tournaments that and the schedule you guys had, were solid when it came to those tournaments was it a little different playing high school than college yeah it was a big difference for sure like my freshman year we had five seniors on the team so it was you know there's a lot of older guys ahead of me um that first fall semester i think i'm disqualifying by one or two shots like three times so i didn't play any events until our home tournament where i played as an individual and then that winter break i was in a car wreck i hit a deer and broke my hand so I got a medical redshirt. So that kind of, you know, it's kind of a blessing. So I didn't get to play any of that first year. So I redshirted and then had four full years after that. But um, yeah, the golf's completely different. The competition is really good. Um, you know, we played a lot of tough courses and kind of challenges that I didn't play in high school. So that was kind of an adjustment. Practicing and playing out of Old Stone really kind of helped, you know, figure out how to manage tough courses and you know, you're not just trying to birdie every hole all the time. You got to kind of, you know, play your way around the course and kind of figure it out that way. So by the time you were a senior in college, you made it all the way to the national championship as an individual. And I believe you finished top 15 in the national championship. You know, what, what was that progression like from um, struggling to qualify for the team to being one of the top college players in the country. Yeah, I felt like, you know, every year, I played five years of college, and every year I just progressively got a little bit better. Like I wasn't, you know, like a top player in the nation. I didn't just like have one leap one year where I was just beating everybody. Like I just kind of had a steady progression in college and kept getting more confidence and, 
kind of improving things in my game that I wasn't thinking about before, like little things like that. You know, worked on short game and putting a lot, which I noticed that helped my scores out more than anything. And uh, just kind of a steady progression throughout college. Just keep learning as much as I could, getting better where I can. During that time, did you have a swing coach that you worked with or were you more out on your own? So when I was in high school, I never had a swing coach until my senior year. And then I started going to Matt Killen, who was down in Bowling Green at the time at Old Stone. And uh, so I saw him for two or three years. And then after that, through college, didn't have a swing coach. And then here recently, I've started working with Corey Kaufman out of uh, Louisville. Okay. Yeah, we're very familiar with Corey. He's been on and is a, is a great guy and very knowledgeable. So glad to hear that you're with him. During that time in college, as Cooper said, you won some tournaments. You played some. You played really well. I know your senior year, you won the red. Your redshirt senior, so your final year, you won the Pine Tree Intercollegiate, and you won the Mason Rudolph as well. I think, which is Vanderbilt's tournament. Both of those are really nice wins to have. And so, and even the year before, I think you notched um, a good number of top tens and even one win. During college, a lot of guys struggle as far as you know. It's the first time they've been away from their swing coach. It's the first time uh, they're really out on their own. And when things go sideways, they go sideways. In your case, you didn't have a swing coach that you're working with in college. How did you handle those times when your golf swing really wasn't doing what you wanted it to do or you weren't playing the way you wanted to play? Yeah, um, I've always kind of been a big field player. So growing up, I kind of just learned the game on my own, You know, learned my swing, what worked for me, what didn't. I've never been like a technical player where I'm trying to hit all these different positions in my swing and things like that. So I just kind of just a field player. I, you know, if something wasn't going right, I'd go to the range, kind of go back to what I did when I was younger, just hit some shots, try different things, see what worked out, what felt good. And then once I found something that felt good, I would just repeat that over and over until I saw results and then, you know, kind of get out of a little slump. That's cool. When you graduated from college, you went on and now uh, you've played professionally for a couple of years now. Winning in college and playing at the level you played is hard to do. And a lot of guys that we talk with who've played at that high level, like most recently um, one that I can think of is Will Holcomb, who played really well in college at Sam Houston uh, and thought, you know, coming out into the pros, like, it'll be pretty easy. I'll, I'll be able to find my place. And it just takes some time sometimes for you. What was your thought about what playing pro golf was going to look like? Did you think it was going to be really easy and that you were going to find some status somewhere? Or did you think it was going to take a little longer? First off, I got to say, Will Holcomb is one of the best dudes I know. He, uh, he and I played together at second stage of Q school this year. And he's just such an awesome dude. He's so funny the whole time. You know, so much on the line. We were cracking jokes and he was making me laugh. And so I just want to say he's a really good dude. But uh, yeah, pro golf, you know, coming out of college, I was actually planning on trying to do Canadian Q school the spring of my last year in college. But the site I got was the same week as the Mason Rudolph at Vandy. So I, you know, it was a big tournament. I didn't want to, you know, leave my team and go try to do Q school. So I stayed. Um, so then that summer I stayed AM, played a few tournaments here and there, tried to do the USAM qualifier one more time, didn't get through. 
and then turned pro. And my first event was the Kentucky Open. So I was like, you know, I've played well in the Kentucky Open as an AM. You know, this is going to be fun. First pro event, try to win. And uh, didn't go as planned. I think we made the cut on the number because someone three-putted on the last hole of the second round to, like, move me in. So uh, woke up, like, that morning, and I was like, oh, I got to get to the course. You know, I didn't think I was going to make the cut. Didn't play good. But, you know, that's kind of my first professional win. I think it was my worst finish in a Kentucky Open out of, like, four or five tries. So, you know, it's like, okay, we need to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. We got some work to do. Professional golf's not going to be easy, and we knew that. So, you know, going into the fall after I graduated, uh, did Corn Ferry Q School, you know, got through pre-qualifier first and second stage, made the final stage. And... You know, it didn't get there easy. You know, first and second stage were tough. Barely got through, made it to finals, played terrible at finals, finished, you know, bottom of the field, wasn't going to get in any events. And then that was kind of the COVID year where those two seasons, you know, wrapped together in one. So I think out of like 45 events, I got in maybe seven events. Didn't play great, but, you know, kind of got my foot in the door, learned a lot. So, you know, professional golf wasn't, as easy as I thought it would be, but it was nice to kind of get out there and, you know, be able to learn and try to, you know, play on a high level. Speaking of um, Q schools, I believe that you've gotten through second stage of Q school three years in a row now. Um, what is it about Q school that brings out the best in you? And why do you think you've had that success each time you've in the second stage? Because I think you're three for three at second stage, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've done the same course all three years. I've gone to Dothan, Alabama, played that course. And for some reason, that course just kind of sets up good for my eye. I see it really well. And I don't know, I just kind of take all the pressure off when I'm at Q school. I feel like a lot of guys are real tense and they're trying so hard not to make mistakes. So I just kind of, it's hard to do, but I just try to go out there and just play free, you know, trust my game. Uh, Dothan's one of those courses where you don't have to shoot, you know, 10, 12 under to get through if you shoot you know, between four, six, eight under, you're probably going to get through. So, you know, just kind of play the course steady. You don't have to force anything out there and uh, just play relaxed. When it comes to playing in Q school, a lot of people said, as Cooper was kind of pointing to, second stage is one of the hardest uh, tournaments that people have played in just because the pressure on the line and because of the just just because of what's on the line as far as at least getting some sort of status somewhere and uh, how many guys are competing for so few spots, and especially the level of those guys playing, when it's come to preparing for playing in second stage and in Q school in general, what's your routine? Is there is there a routine that you have for preparing for Q school in particular because you have so much time leading up to it? Yeah, the first two times I did Q school, you know, got a lot of good work in before, you know, before it came up. And I really just focus on um, my tee balls. I make sure that I have a shot where I can find the fairway. You have to have like a fairway finder if something goes wrong. Obviously, I'm not just going there just hitting my fairway finder every shot, but you have to be able to hit that if you need to. Uh, secondly, I work on my putting a lot. You know, a lot of like inside five foot, six foot, you know, the kind of ones you really have to make, you know, if, you know, 
you come down the stretch and you're close to the number and you got a few five, six footers, you know, a little nervy, uh, you know, those can be a little tougher than usual. So I'll make sure I work on those a lot to really get comfortable with them. And then wedges, you know, I work on my wedges. That's probably the one thing I work on the most in my game, you know, kind of the scoring clubs, you know, par short par fours or par fives or it's layup, things like that. And, you know, really work on the wedges so I can score better. Well, and then this, so this past year, uh, Q school came up really quick after the season ended and I had a couple of injuries and I was exhausted after the season. So I took a couple of weeks off. So I really only had like a week and a half to prepare to get ready for first stage. So that was a little bit different. Um, you know, kind of didn't get as much practice as I wanted to beforehand, but I kind of did a lot of, you know, a lot of things to get my body right. You know, I was sore, I was tired. So I kind of rested and made sure that I was ready. And then when I finally got back into practice before the event, you know, I was hitting the ball so much better than I was during the season when I was fatigued and hurt. So I feel like if I would have kept practicing and not taking that week and a half off, I would have, you know, I don't think I would have had the results I did at first stage. Going back to um, that fairway finder you were talking about. Um, so for that shot or, you know, whatever shot you choose, do you, is that always with the driver or do you manipulate T height or um, ball flight or shape, shot shape? What, what kind of different things do you do for a uh, fairway finder? Yeah. So I use my driver and I'll tee the ball down a little bit lower, uh, narrow my stance a little bit. So I'm not, you know, sometimes I widen my stance a little bit too much. and I kind of get off balance. So I kind of narrow my stance and then I'll just kind of shorten my swing a little bit and hit down on the ball a little more instead of hitting up on it and just kind of hit like a little low bullet out there because usually I'm hitting up on it at like plus three or four attack angle. So I just kind of like make sure I'm hitting, you know, almost like zeroed out with the attack angle. And when it comes to wedges, you mentioned that you try to practice those. What does your wedge practice look like, especially when trying to get it primed for an event? Yeah. So I work on like 60 to 120 yards and I just kind of hit, like different shots and then I'll use like a track man or something and I'll kind of like do a combine, but I'll do it on my own. So like I'll say, I want to hit this 87 yards. I'll hit the shot. And then while the ball's in the air, I'll say, you know, that's right on it a little bit short, a little bit long. And then I'll kind of see like, you know, if I'm trying to hit 87 and I hit it just a little, you know, a little too good or something and it goes 90, then I'll say, yeah, I think I hit it just a little bit long. And then I'll look at TrackMan and see, you know, how far I hit it and make sure I know how far I'm hitting it when I hit it. So it kind of just like helps with the feel process. You know, if I'm hitting an 87 yard shot and I think it's going farther, but actually goes shorter than I need, you know, I got to work on that because my feel's off and I'm not, um, not getting the numbers dialed in. So I kind of work on that a lot. Yeah. And I think that's a great testament. Kind of a lot of people, least early on i think it's been more dispelled but people get concerned about the use of track man's quads all that kind of stuff they say oh it's going to make you more technical and you've said yourself hey i'm a field player i like to feel things and using those tools as a way to refine your feel is a great way to really get in touch with what's actually going on and making sure that you're not you know moving in the wrong direction one way or another are there other ways that you use the quad or the track man in order to kind of refine your feel? It's mainly just wedges. Um, 
you know, I'll get on there with some irons and hit some shots, you know, work on hitting some cuts or hitting some draws and just making sure that I'm doing everything right. And then kind of looking at the track man, seeing like, okay, yeah, the face of path was correct on the draw, you know, this and that, but it's not like, I don't go too deep into the numbers. I kind of just make sure that what I'm feeling is kind of adding up to what the numbers look like. That makes sense. Well, we've talked a little bit about Q school, kind of talked about what things have been like for you so far. And what we talked about a little bit when we were off air, essentially it's been uh, good. You've had like sort of status out there, but there's been a lot of times just like recently right now to date ourselves, it is, January 15th, the first Corn Ferry event in the Bahamas is going on. And you got a message the other day. You were eighth alternate for the event and you got bumped up as a first alternate. You had to find, try to find a way there. Didn't, didn't work out to get there. But over the past few years, you've had a couple different, couple, couple different occurrences of that happening where you're an alternate somewhere and you have to be ready to play for a tournament that week. And you won't know until Thursday morning whether, you're actually playing would you kind of tell us about what that that tension sort of is like in that you know you're there you're trying to get ready for an event but it could be like a total not letdown but it could be like all right i did all this work and i get and i get ready and thursday comes around and i'm not playing yeah i've had two two very different scenarios of that situation uh two years ago i was up in chicago and i think you know so couple days before the event, I was second alternate, thought I had a pretty good chance of getting in. You know, got two days of practice rounds in, uh, you know, got fill the course, fill the greens. Uh, and then I think the day before I moved up to first alternate. So then, you know, Thursday morning before the event, I got to the course an hour before the first tee time. I warmed up as if I was playing, you know, I was playing the first tee time. And then just kind of, you know, the whole morning wave went by, warmed up two or three times, staying ready. Nobody, nobody withdrew, went and got some breakfast, you know, kind of had to stretch, loosen up, warm up again, went back to the range for the afternoon wave, warmed up a couple times, nobody withdrew. So then, you know, that was it. Didn't get in, had to drive back home. Luckily it wasn't too bad of a drive, but, um, yeah, it's disappointing. You know, you're at an event, you're playing the course, getting ready for it and then don't get in. And then, you know, you see later that night where nine guys withdraw to the first round because they shot 85 because the weather was terrible. So it's kind of frustrating, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and then another scenario this past year in Savannah, I was, you know, four, five, six out. Didn't really think I had a chance of getting in. I actually played an offsite pro-am on Tuesday. Uh, so I drove up to Savannah, played in that. You know, kind of get in the area, maybe a few people drop out. And I can say up in Savannah, no one did. Came back to Jacksonville. And then the day before the event, moved up to first alternate. So I drove back up to Savannah. My caddy was was driving from Tampa. So he wasn't going to get there in time to play a practice round. It was late at night. So I just went out, walked the course. Um, so I didn't really get to play the course at all. I had no preparation on the course get a hotel room, get back the next morning, an hour before the first tee time, you know, we're warming up. And then, uh, so my caddy and I, we were just on the left side of the range, just kind of, you know, we were hitting maybe a ball every two or three minutes, just kind of slowly 
warming up, just kind of feeling it out, seeing what was happening. And then a rules official came over, said, someone just withdrew your end. You tee off in 15 minutes. So we were like, you know, we were excited that we got in. But it was like, all right, you know, we got a quick little warm up, have no time to do anything. Um, and I remember I was warming up, had a couple of drivers, and I was so nervous. Like I couldn't even put the tee in the ground just because I was excited. I was getting to play and kind of nervous. So get over the first tee, you know, it was kind of everything happened in 15 minutes. So it was a little, a little crazy, but we just kind of, you know, stuck to it and played solid that week and, you know, it kind of worked out. So, so for something like that, where, uh, you get there and you really don't have time to get out and do much of a practice round or anything like that. You said you walked the course that night. What were you looking at or thinking about when you were going over it? You know, I was kind of just getting a feel for the greens, you know, where they could put some pins at. Um, just kind of making note on the uh, the yardage book on like, you know, where you don't want to miss that. Some of like the, the trouble on the course, things like that. Really was, you know, I had like an hour to walk the whole course. I wasn't really getting too much in-depth information, but just kind of figuring out, you know, what the course is playing like. You know, that's really all I had time for. So you wrap you wrap up the event. You said it, you said it went well, and you kind of talked about what preparation looks like when you're on the outside looking in and hoping to get in for a week where you know you're playing and everything you know everything's on track, etc. What does your tournament prep look like uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Yeah. So if you're you know if you're going to play an event and you didn't play the week before, you're probably getting in Sunday night, Sunday, sometime around Sunday. So then the, the Pro-Am's on Wednesday, and I usually didn't play in the Pro-Am. So I pretty much just said Monday, Tuesday. Uh, so there's a few courses that I'd played before, and if I'd played it before, I'd probably play nine Monday, nine Tuesday, and then I have time to practice Monday and Tuesday. If I hadn't played the course, I'd play 18 on Monday, and then I'd play nine on Tuesday, whichever side I thought was harder, and then practice, you know, all day Wednesday. Um, but then if you had, if you played the week before, you're probably getting in on Monday, might be able to squeeze nine Monday and then play nine or 18 Tuesday and then practice Wednesday. So it just kind of depended on if you played the week before, if you played the course before, if you knew the course, things like that. But I usually don't try to play more than 27 holes before the event, just so I don't wear myself out, especially if you're playing a long stretch. You mentioned that you were fatigued and injured this summer, and that's kind of one of those things that happens over the course of the season. We talked with Dawson Armstrong a while back about his injuries and what he's done, tried to do to you know minimize that. And part of what he'd done is he'd try to put on extra weight, lift more, and then keep lifting during the season. What do you do to try to make sure that you, A, just reduce the odds of injuries, but also be don't get fatigued through the season or at least minimize that fatigue. Yeah. I've kind of done the same thing this off season. I've tried to put on a little bit of weight, working out more, doing a lot more stretching during the season. I had a neck injury and it was during the 10 week stretch of events in a row. So, it, you know, it was probably the worst time for it to happen. And I kept playing through it and, uh, you know, just kind of making sure that, I'm loose at all times, you know, not going out and playing if I'm not, you know, fully warmed up. Just little things that I should have been doing before. 
Um, nothing major, you know, trying to work out a little bit more, stay more flexible, eat better. Um, I've noticed, you know, eating more healthy. I've got more energy throughout the day. So I'm not, you know, I can practice longer and do things like that. So hopefully it carries over the season. Talking about changes that you're making since being out there for a few years, what are some of the um, mistakes that you see newer pros make and how do you try to avoid those mistakes? That's a good question. There's, you know, there's a few things like, you know, like what I did this past year, you know, I wasn't really working out during the season, you know, uh, during like the 10 week stretch, I had an injury. I lost like 10 or 12 pounds. I couldn't eat enough. It was, you know, every day it was like 90, hundred degrees. It was hot. You're playing, you know, six out of seven days for 10 straight, uh, 10 straight weeks. So, uh, you know, you just got to take care of your body better. Um, you know, you got to eat healthy on the road. You got to make sure you're stretching every day. Uh, you know, get some workouts in when you can, you know, just things like that. I feel like, um, you know, most injuries can be prevented beforehand if you're, you know, taking care of yourself. Uh, obviously things happen, but, um, you know, the ones you can't prevent, very important to do that. And then, you know, I feel like like another mistake I made this past year, I felt like I played, you know, there's a, there's a couple of weeks I probably should have taken off. You know, after my injury, I probably should have taken that next week off, reassess, try to get healthy, maybe take three, four days off and then get back at it. I feel like I could have, you know, kind of got rid of the injury, rested up and then you know, played four or five more events after that in a row where I could have played a lot better. But, you know, when you have conditional status and, you know, you're so, you know, it's late in the year and you're kind of behind the eight ball and you got to have some good finishes, it's hard to be like, you know, I need to take this week off, try to rest up and then play well after that. You just kind of want to push through. But, you know, who knows what would have happened if I did take a week off, you know, it could be the same results, could be better, could be worse. Yeah, when there's limited opportunities, it's hard to know what the right thing to do is, uh, especially when you're injured. I know neck injury can be really tough. Most golf, most golfers don't have that happen, or at least you don't having a neck injury. At least to me, I had one, uh, recently and couldn't play golf is like having a cold. You never realize how happy you are healthy, uh, when you have a cold until, or prior to having cold until you get the cold, you're like, man, I, I miss actually feeling good. Same thing with the neck. Like, you can't turn all the way around uh, swing club. I'm sure you had a limited range of motion. What was it like, one, playing through that injury, and two, what did you try to do to help it heal while still having to get out there and compete? Yeah, so it happened in Wichita. It was the first round. I was on the range before the first round, and I was hitting these wedges, and I swung, and I felt like like a little – it was almost just like I had a little like a crick in my neck, like it would loosen up in a day, maybe two. It'd be fine. So I played through it, and, the, and Wichita wasn't terrible. It wasn't that bad, uh, but it lasted the whole week, and it kept getting just a little bit worse every day. And then next week, I can't remember if it was the next week or the week after, I was up in Maine for the event, and it kept getting worse. I was having trouble swinging, getting through the ball. I was losing like five or six miles per hour on my driver just because I couldn't fully swing. Um, but luckily they had really good physical therapists there. They had a doctor on site. Um, so every day I'd go in there and they would give me lidocaine injections in my neck. They were doing stretches. They were doing heat pad. They were icing it. 
and they were doing uh, dry needling in my neck, trying to loosen it up. And the lidocaine injections helped a lot, just kind of numb the neck, and I was able to get through and play that week. But then the next week, we were in Colorado. Uh, they didn't have any of that. So, you know, it kept getting worse after that. I tried to play, and this, before the second round, I was on the range, and I literally couldn't turn my neck at all. So I had to withdraw and, you know, just went back home after that and then did uh, physical therapy for a couple of weeks trying to heal it up, and that kind of eventually helped. But I think rest is what I needed the most, and I played, you know, three or four weeks with an injured neck, and it didn't work out very well. Especially all that traveling and sitting across you – know, traveling across the country and just sitting there can't help the neck either at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you were – did you drive back from Wichita to Maine, or did you fly between all those places? No, so we flew from Wichita – I feel like there was a vent between Wichita and Maine. I can't remember, but we flew that, flew to Maine from wherever, and then from Maine flew to Colorado. So we had a lot, you know, a few pretty long flights in that stretch. I remember when I was cutting for Ashton, I was kind of looking at the season, the upcoming schedule, and I saw like 10 weeks in a row, and like the sick, like towards the end of that stretch, you're going from. Yeah, from Kansas to Maine, back to Colorado, and I was like, I don't know if I don't know if I'm going to be here for the whole season. But Ashton, yeah. Ashton made it work, um, and he he ended up playing super well in Colorado. That's actually what got him his card. Utah, Utah, he played well. Oh, Utah, yeah, my bad, Utah. Yeah, Utah is the last event I played in. So your neck got healed up, um, and we kind of talked about how that I- that injury happened. For going forward, I imagine that's something that you're going to kind of pay attention to. I know, like, to give you – it's it's kind of dumb, but the background of how my neck got hurt is, you know, you know, you turn your neck sometimes and you, like, move your head because you think, oh, I, I just got to loosen it up a little bit. I did that one time. Sim- similar thing. It was just like, oh, like, I got a little, like, burn on the back of my neck. I'll be fine. And then, like, two week, for the next two weeks, I couldn't, I couldn't even move my head. I was, like – I was going like that. Um, and so now it's something that I'm paying, I pay attention to since it's healed up for you, you're playing golf. You got to make sure that you're ready to go. Is there anything in particular you're doing to make sure that that injury doesn't reoccur? Yeah. Just a lot of stretches. You know, there's several different, like different neck stretches and, uh, like PT you can use. You know, I didn't really know how many different exercises there were for your neck. So I went to physical therapy, but you know, just kind of do those on a regular basis, do it once or twice a day takes literally five minutes. So I just do that and haven't had any trouble with it since. Very cool. So you're down in Jacksonville right now, right? I am. Yeah. Okay. So you get to play with a lot of good players. I know there's a lot of good guys down there. Do you enjoy, I mean, I imagine you do, what's it like playing, getting to play with a good group of guys week in, week out, and does it make a difference compared to, you know, 2020 was that wraparound year uh, where there was like, where you had, where you played out of seven out of 44 events and where for part of the year you were at home and there's, there's a good squad at home, but it's a little bit different than when you're down there. What's, what's that been like? Yeah, it's been really good. Uh, you know, practicing out TPC Sawgrass, you know, if you can't get better at Sawgrass, you can't get better anywhere. So, you know, it's nice playing out there. 
um, use the practice facilities and, you know, there's a lot of guys you can play with and we get some pretty good games going. So yeah, it's really good. I love playing with, with good golfers and kind of learn from them, you know, see how they're hitting shots, see what they're doing, learn from their course management, you know, how they're playing certain holes and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's really good. I love Jacksonville, great city and a lot of good golfers play with down here. What are some of the things that you've picked up playing with those guys? Um, you know, so I probably play with Ashton the most and, uh, learn a lot from him, you know, just kind of how he plays courses. I would say I'm a little bit probably more of aggressive player than he is. So it's, you know, but then like, we'll go out, I'll play aggressive, shoot three under, you know, play decent. And then he'll play conservative all around and shoot like five or six under. I'm like, you know, how are you doing that? You know, you're, you're not going for for many pins out here you're just kind of hitting the fairway hitting the green and making some putts and uh so just kind of learning you know kind of how he goes about it and what he does this has helped out a lot what do you think guys pick up from you uh you know i'm not really sure i wouldn't you know people ask me sometimes like you know what do you think like the best part of your game is and you know i feel like i just kind of I feel like I don't really have a best part of my game, but I don't really have a worst part of my game. You know, I kind of just, you know, I just kind of, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Um, I feel like there's situations where, you know, like my wedges are like the best part of my game. You know, if I get the wedges dialed in um, or the putter starts rolling, but like, I wouldn't say I'm like consistently like really, really good at any part of the game, but I don't think I'm, bad at any part of the game either i'd say you're pretty good at hitting fairway i'd say that's your i mean if i could if i could have any part of your game it'd be how straight you hit the driver yeah that's been a work in progress we kind of got a little sideways this year so we're kind of working on the driver now but yeah I, usually i hit the driver pretty good but we're trying to work on that right now when we talked to uh dawson armstrong he's another guy that um you i'm sure you and Ashton play with a lot he's done tpc um he said that um, something he learned when he played in a bigger tournament was that he needed to play for more money when he went back at home and played with his buddies. Is this something that you agree with, um, that playing for a lot of money at home translates to being able to handle the pressure in a bigger tournament? Or are you more of the mindset that you just need to um, work on your game and not worry about all that stuff. No, yeah, I, I love playing for a decent size of money. Uh, you know, I feel like, you, you know, you're playing with, you know, you're going to force them, you're playing a money game, it gets up to like 100, 200, 300 bucks or whatever. You know, just kind of like, you know, kind of get the nerves you do in a tournament. You know, you don't want to miss a six-footer to lose 200 bucks in the last hole. So, you know, it's kind of good to get those pressure putts you know, actually get practice with them instead of going to the putting green and hitting a bunch of six footers with nothing on the line. So yeah, I like when there's something on the line, you know, whatever it is, I feel like it's good practice and I get out of, get a lot out of it. Now, is that something that you would do say the day before a tournament in a practice round or would that just be at home with your buddies? Yeah, both for sure. Um, practice rounds. I love doing a little money game. Usually we don't do anything crazy. It's like five or $10 birdies, $20 Eagles. And then, um, you know, I always like to put out there, you know, you got to pay a hole out. So if you hole out from 100 yards, whoever's in the group owes you 100 bucks. 
So that's a fun thing I like to do. Uh, me and my buddy Alex Weiss, we played a lot of practice rounds together this past year, and we did a lot of money games. And uh, so far, nobody's had to pay a big yardage. So I'm hoping that comes one day. Nice to have a good group that you can play with and kind of consistently get comfortable with for practice rounds. When you go out to a course, we kind of talked about what your routine was as far as the week of the tournament, playing in practice rounds. When you finish up a tournament, however, you're done, it's Sunday, it's all said and done, and you look back on the tournament, is there anything you think about in particular? Do you do any sort of like internal recap and say, you know, here's what I did well, here's what I need to improve on? Do you write any of that down? What's your process for for thinking about a tournament after it's all done? Yeah, after a tournament, uh, just kind of see what I did well, what I didn't do well, what I need to work on going into the next week. You know, just kind of, you know, you only got a few days between events if they're in a row to kind of make changes. So just I usually pick out like one or two things that I didn't do very well in the tournament before, work on those on Monday and then, you know, play Monday, play Tuesday, see how it feels. And then, you know, if I need to do another assessment, then I have, you know, Wednesday to do that. So Wednesdays, I usually don't like to work on anything in particular on Wednesdays, more of just like getting in a getting in a rhythm, um, kind of just, you know, get comfortable with hitting the ball, different shots, things like that. But if I have to, I'll, I'll work on, you know, maybe one thing on Wednesday and just kind of get that dialed in for the week. Growing up, did you play any other sports besides golf? I played basketball and baseball a little bit, but uh, quit those around my freshman sophomore year of high school okay so you're a pretty athletic guy it sounds like and being able to play both of those sports some things translate over to a degree is there anything that you kind of learned from those sports that you try to remember or apply to playing golf you know honestly like when i like growing up playing different sports you know golf was always my favorite sport it was always my best sport so if anything like I would use golf to try to be better at baseball or basketball. Like I would never, I don't know. It's funny. Like people were asking me like, you know, did playing golf or did playing baseball mess up your golf swing? And I would always say, no, my golf swing messed up my baseball swing. I was terrible at hitting the ball. I was a pretty good fielder, but I I was not very good at hitting baseball. So like, you know, it's, I don't know. It's weird. Like other sports didn't really translate to golf, but golf would try to help me play other sports. Very cool. Well, the reason I asked that is because, you know, sometimes um, guys learn things from different sports and can bring those over. And it sounds like for you, it was the other way around, uh, which is a good which is a good thing uh, to be able to take things from golf and apply them to basketball and other sports. But now you're playing golf full time. Are there things that you learn on the course that you try to take off the course with you? Oh yeah, for sure. Like you know. Just kind of like you have to have a good mental attitude on the course. And I feel like it's the same for off the course. Um, you know, if you're you're on the course and you're getting mad after every shot and you're cussing and you're throwing clubs, like, you know, when you get off the course and go back and hang out with your family or friends or whatever, like, you know, that can translate. You know, if you're unhappy on the course, then, you know, you're probably going to be unhappy off the course. So, you know, just enjoy what you're doing. Love what you're doing. You know, just have a good mental mindset, and that should translate on and off the course. Is there anything in particular you focus on to try to make sure that you don't have that bad mindset? Because it's easy for 
people to slip into that. And it's easy to be the guy who plays bad and then comes home and is unfun to be around. Yeah. So I think it was uh, a couple of years ago, Max Homo was in the interview and they were talking about this and he was like, yeah, when things aren't going well, you know, I acknowledge that I would see that, you know, I'm not happy. I might throw a club or this and that. And he said, he just kind of sits there, relaxes for a second and he'll, he'll like, say three things he's thankful about in his life. And then, you know, you say three things, you're like, man, you know, those are great things. You know, I got so much to look forward to, you know, this round of golf is not the end of the world and that kind of settles him down. So, you know, I really love that interview and I think about it all the time when I'm on the course and things aren't going well. I just kind of sit back, relax, and just kind of think about two or three things I'm thankful for and then relax and keep going. That's a good, that's a good attitude to have in, in golf, especially, but also just in life to recognize what we have. We've talked with several mental coaches and gratitude and being not, not being complacent, but being satisfied and knowing who you are and allowing yourself to be um, accepting of that is a good thing. I think for all of us, one of the things that can be difficult now is looking back to ourselves when we were junior. As I said, as I said off off screen, there were a lot of mistakes that Cooper and I made when we were juniors that now looking back, we're like, oh man, I wish that I hadn't made that mistake, or I wish I knew more about what I knew now. What sort of mistakes as a junior golfer, as as we said, you, we said you were a good high school player, but we didn't mention as you were, I think, two-time Mr. Golf in Kentucky. Uh what sort of mistakes were you making as a junior golfer? I would say just my work ethic wasn't great as a junior golfer. Like I'd go out and play some, you know, I might, it'd be the summertime. I might take a whole week off and play baseball tournament or something. Just kind of, you know, as a junior golfer, I wasn't like super, super dedicated with what I was doing. Kind of like in middle school, maybe freshman year of high school. It was kind of probably sophomore of high school where I really started taking it serious and saw improvements in my game. And, uh, you know, wanted to take it to the next level and play college golf and play professional golf after that. So it's probably my sophomore year of high school, kind of when things changed, that's a bit more serious. Jumping back to the question uh, or the topic that we talked about for being thankful about things. What are when you talk about and maybe these are too personal, but when you think about um, your round, like when you finish when you finish up a round, are there three things you consistently think of that you're thankful for? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, my mom and dad, super thankful for them. They come and follow me, you know, anytime they can. They've been huge supporters my whole life. Um, you know, growing up in junior golf, I don't think they missed a single tournament. You know, it's a little harder to travel to Bogota, Colombia, uh, as a professional, but you know, they try to come to tournaments when they can. Super thankful for them. Thankful for my fiance, just got engaged actually got engaged at final stage of Q school. So thankful for her and her supporting me. And then, you know, just like the rest of my family, you know, I got a lot of family and they all, they're all behind my back and, you know, they support me and they're always checking up on me. And, you know, it's nice to have, you know, my friends, they're always texting me before rounds, telling me good luck or after rounds. Kind of going through all that. We talked about kind of the mistakes that you made as a junior golfer. And it kind of leads us to our last question question we ask every guest at the end of the show, which is if you could go back to yourself as a junior golfer and tell yourself just one thing, what would that one thing be? I would probably 
you know, it, it's hard because like at one one point I would say, you know, take it more serious growing up, you know, practice more, um, you know, in like middle school or, you know, around that time. But then on another hand, I'm like, you know, I had so much fun playing basketball and baseball growing up. Like, you know, I didn't start, start taking it really serious to like freshman, sophomore year of high school. And, you know, I still had times like get better and stuff like that. But, you know, I would say just do do what, you know, do what you love. Like if you love other sports, like keep playing other sports. Um, you know, don't put too much pressure on one sport or don't put too much pressure on golf and try to be, you know, number one junior golfer in the world as a freshman in high school. Like if that's what you want to do, then then do it and have fun doing it. But like, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself as a junior golfer because you got a lot of time, you know, after that of golf. Very cool. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. If people want to reach out to you, find you on social media, where can they do that? Uh, my Twitter and Instagram handles are at Sergeant Golf 10. As far as those tees that I talked about at the beginning that say Billy Tom Sergeant the third, do you still have some of those left? Oh, I've got, I probably have half a bag left. My mom, <laughs> she, uh, she got me those for Christmas one year and I was like 11 or 12. And I'm, I'm not kidding. The bag was massive. There's probably a thousand tees in there. So yeah, I probably still have five or six hundred left. Thanks for joining us today. Please do us a big favor and like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so we can help others learn how to play better tournament golf. You can find us online at thetournamentcode.com, on Instagram at thetournamentcode, and on Twitter at tournamentcode. As always, Feel free to reach out to us at those places or email us at daniel at thetournamentcode.com and cooper at thetournamentcode.com. We hope you join us as we continue to dive deeper in what it takes to play elite tournament golf.